Let us hear the word of God as we read a very familiar few verses in John chapter 14. Uh, You may know these off by heart. I remember us learning them in primary school. Uh, This nearly the whole of this chapter. Let me read just the early verses of John chapter 14. Of course, the context is that uh, it's the night before the crucifixion. And the disciples are gathered with Jesus in the upper room. And it is there that he says these words to them when their hearts are uh, broken because they've now, for so long, they kept saying, no, this can't happen, Lord. And Peter particularly was adamant. He says, no way, Lord, you will not die. And now they've realized it's going to happen. And so Jesus says to them, John 14 and verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places, rooms, mansions, whatever your version has. Dwelling places is a good translation. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. We thank God for his living word. It's useful if you have John 14 open. Does it cause a problem if you just leave my screen on all the time? No, just don't want to look at myself. Just stick on on my PowerPoint there and... uh, Are we going yet? Yeah, right, that was the end of the, that was the, end of the children's address. Right, let's get on. Ah, right, 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 we're there now. And actually where we are, um, uh, sorry to take you here this morning into the valley of the shadow of death and perhaps in the most solemn way of all uh, because we're taking you to the, the evening before the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've all been there, or certainly most of you have been uh, in that position of bereavement. Well, some of you maybe very recently, and it's still very sad and sore in your hearts and minds. Some of you even at maybe many years ago, but still it's very, very hard. And I point you this morning to the one place to go whenever we're in that valley of the shadow, and that is to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the cross of Calvary, because it's there and there alone that is the answer to this great problem of death. And so I'm taking you to the upper room where the Lord Jesus uh, is about to go to the cross, and three things that he does for us here. And the first one is that he soothes. Look at verse 1. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God or believe in God. Believe also in me. Now at this point, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is in very deep agony. Just earlier this same evening in chapter 13 and verse 21, we read after he had said this, 
Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. And later on, on the same evening, as they go out to the Garden of Gethsemane, we read about how Jesus began to be very troubled. And he, he pleaded with the disciples to pray with him. And Luke, in his gospel, chapter 22, tells us that Jesus prayed and wept, and the great drops of sweat were like drops of blood. <clears throat> He's gone through absolute agony himself, and yet in the midst of that, he is reaching out to his disciples. They're heartbroken, they're scared, they're helpless, they're distressed, and Jesus knows that. He cares for them, he comes to share with them, and he comes with the answer. And what is to be the answer in this terrible situation that they're, that they're in and that they're about to hit tomorrow? What is the answer? The answer is simply resting in Jesus, simply trusting him. And he puts those two together. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in me. He says, cast your life on the great everlasting arms. Rest on Jesus and in your helplessness, especially when death comes to you. In that terrible helplessness where there's nobody, and this is the terrible problem about it, even the people that we admire most and that are strongest in our lives, there's nothing really they can do for us. And whenever you hit that, it's to the one who put the stars in the sky that you need to go. That's the only place to go. The one who is the, the bread of life who is the light of the world, who is the gateway to glory. He's the shepherd of his people. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the bright and morning star. He's Jesus. And that's where you need to go whenever the terrible trouble hits you because there in Jesus you find everything that you need and everything that you won't get anywhere else. A savior who cares, who who stoops down, the mighty one who stoops down to deal tenderly with you. You'll find love and compassion and power and answers. And so Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. He says, come to me. Rest in me. And he's not saying cheer up, but rather he's saying, come and rest on the rock. A savior who meets our very deepest need in the valley, who reaches down into the dark shadows of our soul that nobody else can handle for us. That's what Jesus is. He says, troubled, troubled in death, he says, I'm your answer. Rest in me, trust in me. All other help and answers will flee and leave you. But Jesus is all sufficient. And so, passing through the darkest times, whether it be through bereavement or whatever it is you're passing through, bring it to Jesus, bring it to the cross. I thought of quoting these words and then I wondered, just sitting there without any accompaniment, could we sing them? <coughs> I'm not a singer, so <coughs> I'll get, maybe get you started, but that's just where we're sitting. Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary. Burdens 
hands are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Troubled soul, the Savior can see every heartache and tear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary, burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. Cast your care on Jesus today, leave your worry and fear, burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Thank you for not leaving me on my own with that but there doesn't that just say it perfectly that Jesus says when you're troubled he says come to me come to the cross he, he soothes the second thing he does here is he, he satisfies and t tying in now with what I was talking to the kids about a few minutes ago uh, verse 2 of John 14 where he says in my father's house are many dwelling places, rooms, mansions, dwelling places is a good translation. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Uh, Jesus lifts our burdens here and now. He deals with our situations right here on the earth, but supremely he points us forward to our great heavenly home that marvelous, marvelous place where there's no more hunger or thirst, he says. And the lamb himself will be our shepherd. And that's where he points us here. And about Jesus and this heavenly home, well, first and foremost, he owns it. You see what he describes it as? He says, in my father's house or my father's home. He says, it's my father's. Jesus loved to speak of the, the father's house. He's the only one who did. Uh, he, he, you remember how he went into the temple? He says, my father's house will be a house of prayer. Do you remember his story about the prodigal son? And the, the son gets up, he says, I will return to my father's house. And here Jesus speaks again of his father's house. Uh, the intimacy with the father he's, he, he's speaking to us about here. Heaven's described in a number of different ways in the scriptures. It's described as a country, the sort of bigness of it. It's described as a city. You could say the, the busyness of it. It's described as a kingdom, uh, which is really the, the, the belonging sense. And it's described as paradise, the, the beauty of heaven. But here, Jesus describes heaven as a house, as a home. Think back to what we were saying to the young folk and how lovely it is to have a home, just that place where we belong, where our brothers and sisters are. And it's his house. He says, this is my father's house. He owns it. In my father's house 
are many mansions, many rooms, many dwelling places. And we are his believers in Christ. We have been born again. We belong to him. We're his brothers and sisters. So it's our house. It, this is our home. All of the redeemed, this is our home. And uh, the Apostle Paul puts it a lo lovely way where and different translations do it slightly differently, but it talks about men absent from the body, present with the Lord, are equally well translated away from the body and at home with the Lord. It's a lovely phrase. It's our home. That's where we're going. This belongs to us. It's, Jesus owns it. Jesus also prepares it. He says in verse 2, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I'd have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You know, when guests are coming, especially if they're coming to stay, there's an awful lot of cleaning and tidying to be done and a good bit of shopping usually as well. But what preparation Jesus has done for the arrival of his people in heaven. He has entered the holy place carrying our names. He has dealt with our sin through the cross and Calvary, through the shedding of his blood. And when he says here, in John chapter 14, I am going to prepare a place for you, do you know precisely what he's talking about? He's talking about the very next morning. He says, I'm going to Calvary to prepare a place for you. He says, that's where I'm going to do the preparation, there on the cross and Calvary. What preparation, believers in Christ. What a saviour. And all of that is ours. He owns heaven. He prepares it. He brings us to it. Verse 3, he says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. He won't even send for us to come to it. He says, I'll come and I'll bring you to it. Individually on the day that we, we die. And that's us, we who belong to Jesus, we need have no fear because it will be the Savior. He'll be carrying us away. And then that marvelous day when Jesus comes again. What a day that will be when he comes eventually, ultimately, to take all his people home. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 15, where there we read, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. What a day that will be. What a marvelous day that will be. What a homecoming. What a procession that will be to heaven that day when the trumpet of the Lord will sound. Would be marvelous. Are you looking forward this morning? That great day when Jesus is coming back to take all his people home. And you see, that belongs to us who, who are the people of God and also he owns and he prepares and he brings us to it and he shares it with us. Look again at verse 3. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. And this is the best bit. Jesus uses uh, a Greek word there, pros, uh, which means face-to-face, -face, the closest possible relationship. It's the same word that, he uses, that the, the scripture uses in John 1 and 1, where it says in the beginning was the word Jesus and he was with God. It's that same word, the closest possible relationship between father and son. And he says, I'm bringing you to heaven so that we may be in relationship like that, that you may be with me, that you may be where I am. And that's the best bit of all. On that uh, 
day when they died, the next day, and the thief beside him had just trusted him as Savior, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. The apostle Paul in Philippians, he talks about his death, and he says, I desire to depart and be with Christ. It's all about being with Jesus. Revelation 7 and 17 where it talks about how the, the lamb is our shepherd there in heaven. The Revelation 21 talks about how God will dwell with his people. Revelation 22 about how we will see him face to face. It's about this very intimate, close relationship, and that's all ahead for us. Believers in Christ, aren't you happy this morning? He soothes, he satisfies, and then also he saves. That's the last thing I want to say this morning. In verse 4, he says, You know the way to a place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The great obstacle to being with the Lord, the great problem, of course, is that problem of sin. The great obstacle to being in the presence of the Lord, to being in fellowship with the Lord, to being in communion with the Lord is sin because sin has separated us. It has blinded us. It has spiritually murdered us. We're separated and therefore we need reconciliation. We need a way back. We're, we're blinded and therefore we need illumination. We need to be able to see the problem and to see the answer. And we're spiritually dead. We've been murdered by sin. And we need regeneration. We need this new life that only Jesus can give. And Jesus is the answer to absolutely all of that. Because Jesus brings us that reconciliation. He brings us a way back. He spans the gulf between a holy God and sinful people. The old chorus says there's a way back to God. From the dark paths of sin, there's a door that is open. And you may go in at Calvary's cross where you begin when you come as a sinner to Jesus. And so Jesus says, he says, listen, I am the way. The, the, way, the, the way back to God, Jesus says, I am that way. He himself, he doesn't just show us the way. Jesus is the way. We need Jesus to be in heaven. Jesus is the mediator, he's the bridge, he's the pathway, he's the access, he's the advocate. He himself has built the road, but in another wonderful sense, Jesus is the road. He is the way to heaven. He's smashed the barrier that keeps us out of heaven. He holds our hand, in a sense, all the way through to heaven. Oh, isn't it marvelous? And he brings us not just reconciliation, but also illumination. Because not only has he removed the sin barrier, brought us that reconciliation with God, but he has also opened our eyes, creating illumination, helping us to see first and foremost our great need by the power of his Holy Spirit, to see how lost we are, to see what lies ahead for us if we don't trust him, to see the holiness of God, to see the, and hear the call to come to Christ, he opens our eyes to see all of that. And so he says, I am the truth. He says, you live a lie until you get your eyes open by the Spirit. But he says, I am that truth. He brings reconciliation as the way opened 
He brings illumination as the truth and he brings regeneration. New life. When we were dead in sin, he not only spanned the gulf at Calvary and created the reconciliation and then awakened us, opened our eyes that we might uh, be illuminated and see our need and, and see the way, but also then entered our lives by his spirit. Breathe this new spiritual life into us. New birth. Ephesians 2 and 1 says to us who are Christians, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sin. But now God, because of his great love for us, has made us alive in Christ, given us new life. And Jesus breathes in that life because Jesus himself is the life. And oh, so many places in the scriptures you can go and see how Jesus is the life and brings the life. John 5 and 24, I tell you the truth, says Jesus, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Chapter 3 and, and verse 36. And there Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Jesus says, John 6, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, John 10, I have come in order that you might have life and have it to the full. John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And on and on we can go. Jesus is the answer. And he's the only answer. In the original way, truth, and life, each have the word the in front of them. Not a way, a truth, a life. No, there aren't other ways. There is no other way. And Jesus emphasizes that here when he speaks to Thomas. He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, there is no other way. You see how beautifully God does that in the process of our conversion where first and, first and foremost on the cross, Jesus pays the price, pays for sin with his blood and opens that way. There's now a way back to God. That's the reconciliation. And then he comes and stirs us and opens our eyes to see our need. And we come under conviction of sin. That's the illumination where God is dealing with us and showing us realities. We've lived a lie up until that. But then God comes and shows us and then regeneration. As by his spirit he comes in and we're born again. I am the way, the truth, and the life says Jesus. And as I finish, I leave you with this. How lost you are if you don't have him this morning. And regardless of who you are, whether you're some, somebody still very young in with us here or somebody very old or anywhere in between, how lost you are if you don't have him because the way has not been opened for you yet. Your sin will bar you eternally from heaven that's the reality of it and the truth has not dawned on you yet you're living a lie you're living thinking somehow or other it's going to work out or somehow or other the stuff that you're going to do is going to be enough and the life has not entered into you the scripture says you're still spiritually dead oh, what a solemn position because nearly worst of all is that means there's no home for you there's no hope for you. There's no place in heaven for you. And so, for you who are in this situation, I have no comfort for you today. 
No comfort whatsoever apart from this. That this is still the day of opportunity. That the Savior is still calling. That the way is still open. That the gospel age is still with us. That you're still alive and can still hear. And this day, the Savior calls. And today even, you could come to trust him. And that not be you any, any longer lost without him. But all believers, I just leave you with the picture I showed the kids at the very end of the kids' address. And how marvelous is our home in heaven. How marvelously we can look forward. Oh, how happy we can be that this home has been purchased for us by the blood of Jesus. That once we get there, then all of the sorrow and sadness are gone forever. Death will be finished with. We will be truly satisfied. No hunger or thirst. We'll gather with all the saints from every generation and we'll be safe for eternity. Oh, I hope you know today that you belong to Jesus and you're looking forward and saying, yes, I'm not one to go there just today, you're maybe saying, but oh boy, am I looking forward to getting to heaven. How great it will be far beyond anything that we can imagine. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of Jesus that we know so well for we've heard them so often, but we thank you for refreshing them in our minds and hearts today. And Lord, we pray that you'll deal individually and graciously and powerfully with us, that those of us who know Christ as our Savior may be immensely encouraged and relieved and comforted today, and that any of us who don't yet know him may be drawn even today to put our lives in his hands, for we ask it in his precious name. Amen.